Praise God. And I do thank the Lord so very much for this wonderful testimony of victory that Sister Rager has given to us. We've had a good number of people recently healed. I've had people to call me and say, Brother Grant was prayed for last Sunday night or last Thursday night or last Sunday morning. The Spirit of the Lord came down and blessed in a great way. And I was healed. Isn't that great? Praise God. Now, remember, Sunday morning, our service, our uh, choir will present their cantata. And again, Sunday night at 6 o'clock. And then Sunday morning after the service, at the close of the service, Leslie will be baptized in Jesus' name. Raise your hand, Leslie. I hardly recognize you with your hair done up the way you have it. I asked Sister Thorpe, I said, who is this lady? And then I said, oh. Uh, uh, Praise God. Well, I'll tell you, God... It's such a great God. We want to read just uh, three scriptures about the crucifixion. So from Matthew 27, verse 33, And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And you may be seated. And what I want to speak for just a few moments on is the other side of the story. In this case, we could say the other side of tragedy. This, no doubt, was the darkest moment in the lives of several friends and disciples that Jesus had, the darkest moment of their entire life. I hardly know uh, what it would feel like to have been called by the Messiah and not having understood his death and the purpose of him being on the earth. And I think the disciples were uh, somewhat aware, but not totally aware of his mission and then to have his life taken from uh, away from them and of course uh, we come on this day Friday I, I don't really think the Lord was crucified on Friday but nevertheless this has been the traditional day in which uh, we have uh, uh, gathered and we have brought ourselves into focus with his death. We think it is great that we do this. I, We do this on Christmas. I hardly believe the Lord was born on December 25th. But nevertheless, uh, <clears throat> it's a good time for us to get together. It's like communion. And by the way, Sunday night we will be serving communion at the close of our musical. This will be a very, very sacred moment. But uh, <clears throat> here... The Lord uh, that had called them, had been so close to them, his life was taken away from them. It was just a a sad, sad moment. We call it Good Friday. Someone, later on looking back to the other side of the story, said that obviously what we read in the scripture that sounds so sad uh, has another side to it. Now, you can read of the crucifixion in Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 19, as well as in Matthew 27. 
I don't know if you notice, uh, you pick up the paper, how much negative news that you see. Just everything is negative. Everything is negative. Occasionally you will read a negative story, and then later on you will find out that that even though what appeared to be a tragedy uh, was not really uh, as tragic as what you might have assumed. Autopsies sometimes are run on bodies. I remember a person dying in a terrible car accident and when an autopsy was run on the body uh, they found out that the person would have died shortly because of the massive tumors cancerous tumors and they had never gone in to be checked to this well uh, <clears throat> occasionally I receive calls from uh, people and they express uh, their regret over a lost loved one and invariably when there's not a lot of suffering uh, they consider it a blessing that their loved one did not have to suffer so much. So I assume that even though uh, an accident by car would be very tragic because that it is very short-lived and pain and suffering is only for a moment, that when you consider perhaps uh, uh, in bed with cancer for days, months, uh, sometimes even years, that maybe... Uh, God and all of his wisdom uh, chose a better route. And you know, only God knows what could have been. We really don't know that. What could have been. And when I look at this story, if I only read uh, three verses, uh, to me, uh, there seems to be very little hope. However, I know the other side of this tragic story I know that you do too. This is why that Sister Rager can stand on a day like today and say, well, this is really a good day because the Bible says by His stripes we were healed. Amen. Praise God. Can you say praise the Lord to that? Amen. Now I'd like to turn your attention to Romans, the sixth chapter. The Apostle Paul talks about deliverance from the power of indwelling sin. He said, this is made possible by your union with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and his resurrection. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now, <clears throat> when I just take those two verses of scripture and take a look at them, <clears throat> there's something that comes to my mind outside of what some people would call just cheap grace. That is, God just overlooks sin. I think what Paul is actually saying is, well, we live in the grace dispensation, but does that mean that we have to continue to live under the bondage of sin because that this is grace? He says, oh, no, it's, it's not that way. And he goes on to explain that God had a deliverance in mind when he gave us grace. Uh, know you not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, I remember very well 
before I came to the Lord. There were times when I just, I wanted to be somebody else. I just felt that, you know, there were just so many things that plagued me, so many things that bothered me. I wanted freedom, freedom from myself. Of course, uh, as a young person, you go through those years when you you don't like the way you talk, you don't like the way you walk, you don't like the way you look, uh, you don't like your mannerisms, you don't like anybody else's either. That's just part of the chemistry change of that age. But after a while, <clears throat> when reality sets in, quite often you say, well, I really don't like myself. I really wish I could be something else or somebody else. Because you see people that seem to be so uninhibited, they seem to be so free. But the Apostle Paul says, you know, it is possible to take the old man and crucify him with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I would say that all of you who have repented of your sins and been baptized in His name and filled with the Holy Ghost, that you can truthfully say there, you reached that time in which you were just fed up with yourself. The habits that you had, the mannerisms that you had, the sin that plagued you that brought so much guilt, that's why you came to the Lord and you put it all down at the altar. So we are able then to put the old man to the cross with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, For he that is dead is freed from sin. My, what a great hope. I'm telling you, I look around and I see so many happy people. I made reference to, to Leslie and I, I looked and I saw her singing. I said, she's a new creature in Christ Jesus. It's just, she just looks different. And do you know, I've been around when most of you have come to the Lord and there's so many of you that just look so different. And you look here on the front row we, of course, we know Brother Manley looks different. We saw his picture <laughs> this past weekend. <clears throat> he happened to be born again when that picture was made. <clears throat> and someone, someone <clears throat> had the audacity to come up to my wife and said, How come they didn't show but half of Brother Grant? <clears throat> <clears throat> Can you believe someone would actually say that? Here we have Ted and Carla and their family here on the front seat, or second seat back. And uh, my, they look so different. They look so very different. Trinidad, Catherine here on the front, and their boys, just a few short months ago, uh, they were down here at the altar praying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I told my wife last night after we got home, I said, I don't know that they've missed a service since they've come to God. Now, they may have, but I don't recall them missing one service. Always so, so happy. I could go on and on and on with, with people that, that you have been set free. And it's amazing when you're set free how much it just reflects your countenance change. Changes. Everything about you changes. Everything about you changes. You just look so different. So when we read this tragic story, if we just stop with the three verses, it does seem bleak. And I'm sure as far as the disciples were concerned at the time, because you see, they couldn't read on to the story because it had not yet happened. 
and they had reason to be very sorrowful. When we look back, it's a, it takes on different meaning because we know the end of the story. Galatians 2, verse 20, the Bible tells us that we are crucified with Christ. Did you know that Jesus Christ, when he hanged upon the tree, he was not nailed there just for his own benefit, but for you? In essence, he really took my place. He took your place upon the cross. Galatians 5.24 tells us that his crucifixion has made it possible. Let's turn there and just read this, this scripture. Galatians 5.24, and they that are crucified, uh, they, that are, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And so what he's saying is that, that all of these things that come down and just bind an individual and plague an individual. Verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, mine. Look at all these things. Hatred. There's, you won't find a person in the world that's sadder than a person that's filled with bitterness and hatred. Not too long ago... I just tried my best to help a person that just could not get over this little hump of being bitter. I said, do you know who you're hurting? You're hurting yourself. The individual says, I know I'm hurting myself. And I hate myself because of it. Did you know that Jesus Christ nailed your bitterness to His cross? Do you know that He nailed it? He really did. Look at this wrath and strife. My, all of these feelings, Jesus nailed it to His cross. In other words, He made it possible for you to walk away free from all of these things. But now it takes an action on your part too. It takes a willingness on your part. In that He laid down His life for you, then you also have to surrender your life to be nailed to His cross. That's what repentance is all about. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15, and this is talking about the gospel. And I, I, I have gone over this passage of Scripture and probably more on Sunday morning than any passage that I've ever preached on. I like it because it's, 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 it's so decisive. It, it's, 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 it's so plain. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you. The gospel. You know what the word gospel means? Come from two words that mean means good news. Good news. All right, here's the good news. <clears throat> if you will look at verse three, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. So when we look at when we look back at Calvary, when we look at back at the other side of the tragedy, we know that there was more to it than just. Uh, a friend being nailed to a tree. Uh, you take the local newspaper of that day, which they uh, obviously didn't have like we have uh, newspapers today, but if they had modern means of printing and everything, it probably would have gone something like this. Ro- the Romans crucify again on 
Passover. They had done this for years. It would be equivalent to some of the things that are happening today on our planet Earth that's receiving such great attention from the media, especially in the free world. They've done it again. They've crucified somebody else. See, there was a man named Jesus and two other guys. One on his right and one on his left. And you read the tragic story and they say, well, coincidentally, uh, when these men fell asleep, the sky became dark. The sun hit its face. Coincidentally, you know, that's the way they would explain it away. It was such a horrible setting there on the place called a skull, Golgotha, because it was shaped like a skull of an individual. It looked like death. The mountain upon which he was crucified looked like death. And so they toss the paper aside and shake your head and and long for the day in which the Romans would clear out of Palestine and stop this horrible method of execution. The Romans borrowed this from the Carthaginians, and it was the most horrible form of or of execution. It was against the Roman law for a Roman citizen to be nailed to a cross. If you could prove your citizenship, you'd be free from the cross. Now, you may have been killed otherwise, but not by the method of the cross. But when Paul begins to explain, he says that Christ's death on the cross is not bad news, it's good news. In other words, out of the most tragic thing that you could possibly think of comes great victory. I walked in the barber shop yesterday. I was getting my hair cut. The girl cutting my hair said, Did you see the gentleman that left just before you came in? Or just before you sat down? I said, No, I didn't pay any attention. I did see him, but I didn't pay any attention to him. She said, Well, he was the inspector of the plane, the F-16, that uh, burned at the end of the runway. And uh, he inspected the plane, finished the inspection just hours before the plane took off. Everything was just okay. Here this pilot gets in the plane. Uh, he had better than 200 hours of flying behind him. He takes off. All of a sudden, the light comes on that denotes that he has engine failure. There's a problem there. So he flew back around and, and approached uh, the runway. He landed. The emergency gear... It was to stop this plane because they have to, they have to stop, they have to land at a lot faster speed than commercial jets and small engine uh, aircraft do. And so this thing is, it's ripping. I mean, it's it's going, it's blistering down the runway, and and they have to have a stopping apparatus, a parachute, and all of this. But it did not stop. And, of course, they had already received the word that there was engine failure. He stepped out side of the hangar or wherever he was and watched this plane 
and saw it go on past the runway and just burst into flames. But the man said, he said, uh, well, I watched. I thought I saw something explode out of it. It just, it happened at the same times of the, the plane just exploding. And then, of course, he began to run and the fire department, everyone began to run. And there lying on the ground was a crumpled up body of a man who ejected himself just in time to save his life. He said, first, I didn't recognize what it was. I thought it was just a piece of the plane that just blew out. You know, I mean, out of tragedy, out of fire, out of a furno of hell could come forth life. That's what happened at Calvary, really. When they went by Jesus Christ, they found that he was dead already. They were going to break his bones to hasten death. And just almost like a second thought, an afterthought, the Roman soldier, seeing that he was dead, took a spear and ran it into his side. And out of his side came forth blood and water. And the Bible says that is responsible for life on the planet earth now in God. That you and I are products of the blood and water that flowed from His side. Just as God saw that Adam was lonely and caused him to go back to sleep like he was before he breathed into him the breath of life and he opened up his side and took out a rib and he made him a bride so Jesus Christ hangs suspended between heaven and earth sleeping the sleep of death that all people will sleep but out of his side came forth the bride of Christ and that blood is responsible for the cleansing the setting free. The escape from the fire from hell. Jesus Christ's death allowed it to be that way. I'd like for you to just take your hands, would you? Just lift your hands right now. Oh, God of heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the good news. That your death upon the cross, Lord, even though it was sad news 2,000 years ago, it's good news today. Oh, blessed assurance. It is a blessed day when you can die, spiritually speaking, so that you can have life with Jesus Christ. Paul even goes on to say in Philippians 1.21, he says, for me to die is gain. He's talking about the physical death because once you have been born again, then where is the sting of death? 
Where is it? And one of these days, someone will pick up a paper and no doubt read about your tragic death. And not knowing God like you know God or like I know God, they'll probably wag their head and put the paper down and they'll say, it's all bad news, hon. Every time I pick it up, it's this death and that death and this horrible crash and that horrible crash and this person died this way and this person died that way. But little will they know the other side of your story is that God has given you eternal life by the route of the grave. So it won't be sad news. And while people are wagging their heads and feeling sorry, you'll be dancing on streets of gold. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. And what a great, great day that will be. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a big hand. (laughs) Praise God. Let's stand at this time. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's lift our hands and how and worship Him. We love You, Lord. And we worship You, God. And we praise You, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Brother Manley will lead you in a course or whatever he has. And then you can be dismissed, but if you want to pray longer, we'd like for you to just be seated and pray or come around the front and pray whatever you'd like to do. We'd like for everyone to respect the house of God. I know this is school day and our children and students are still in school. But let's respect the house of God. You can stay all afternoon if you desire. God bless you so very much for coming to this good Friday service. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the victory in my soul. Thank